1: Hi everyone, thanks for tuning into another episode of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. On the show today, we have Monika Sawyer. Monica, thanks so much for being here with us. How are you?
2: I am great, and I'm so excited to finally meet you guys and to be on the show. Thanks for having me. <laughs>
1: great, we're excited too. Before we dive into the interview, here's a little bit about Monica. Monika is the Blissful Millionaire, and we'll get into what that means in her interview. She made her millions in real estate and is now on a mission to empower others to do the same but the blissful way. She has been invigorating audiences to take their lives from mundane to magical for over a decade. Everyone, trust me, you'll want to stay tuned for this interview and see why having bliss in your life will change it for the better. So with that being said, Monika, could you please tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you
2: currently do? Yeah, so um, I am a long, long-term, long so buy-and-hold investor, and I started this when I was about 25, so I'm going to age myself right now, but it's been 25 <laughs> years, <laughs> um, and so, and now, you know, so I wrote a book called Choose Bliss, which is all about prioritizing bliss in your life. I was a life coach for several years, working with executives in the Silicon Valley, and they would come to me because their businesses were failing and what i found and these are with companies that you now know very very well but i can't really say online but you can imagine Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway so the thing that i found was the biggest issue with their businesses was that they were no longer happy they were no longer inspired or motivated (laughs) or driven. Um, And so things started to flounder. Their perfect marriages started to fall apart. You know, their businesses were falling apart. Their lives were falling apart. And so I became at that time what I call a bliss coach, which was to help them reignite that deep sense of joy and excitement about life deep inside of themselves. So through that journey, I developed a lot of skills about how to be blissful um, in spite of what's going on in the outside world. And, you know, what was so fascinating is that a lot of these people that I used to work with, they had those things, all the trappings, right? The nice house and a lot of money and the perfect marriage and the cute kids and the nice dog, right? They had the whole thing Mm -hmm. and it almost felt like an anchor around their neck as opposed to giving them happiness. It stole their happiness. So things on the outside can support us or they can take away from our happiness. And we don't know what it's going to be. It's not what you would expect. And so really bliss is an inside job, In the very truest meaning of that, and I know it sounds trite, but that's you know it's true. So now, how does what does that have to do with what I'm talking about with real estate? I'm a person, and I chose that strategy because it supports the joy in my life. I love dealing with my homes. I do all executive homes, so I buy beautiful homes. I have amazing tenants. I love upkeep. I love the whole business. And that's why I've created the business that I have. Not everybody's gonna want the same strategy, but the thing that I want people to really understand is that if the business is not supporting the joy in lo- your life, if you're doing the business just for the end game, it's not really gonna be sustainable. So that's mm-hmm. why I talk about why bliss, so that you can have a business that you can have for a very long time and that it can really bring you joy and wealth all at the same time. <laughs>
1: Sounds like the perfect combination.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is for me.
3: (laughs) Awesome. Well, obviously today we're going to be talking about bliss and real estate combined together. So can you share with us your mindset and beliefs as it relates to bliss?
2: Yeah. So um, a lot of people, when they hear the word bliss, they think of a lot of different things, right? Um, For me, bliss is a deep sense of joy and contentment and the confidence that you can handle anything that comes your way. So it's really about emotional mastery and emotional resilience. So it doesn't mean that we go don't go to this place of depression and despair, or we don't go to the places of ecstasy and excitement, right? Both of those things can be distractors from our life. We live in what I call a bliss equilibrium, which is this sort of base level joy and contentment that we can always come home to. So we're not afraid of living our lives. We're not afraid of taking risks. We're not afraid of feeling things. Um, We always get, we, we have the confidence that we can come back to this bliss equilibrium. So that's really what bliss means for me.
3: Okay, great. And you kind of touched on it here, but what do bliss and real estate investing have to do with one another?
2: Yeah. So Warren Buffett says, if you cannot control your emotions, you cannot control your money. So if bliss is really about emotional mastery and emotional resilience, you can see how it's directly related to how you invest. Because if you're investing from fear or you're investing from over enthusiasm, or, you know, you're both investing emotionally, you're going to make decisions that are not necessarily supportive of yourself or your business. So bliss is really the thing that makes you a better business person long term.
3: Yeah, completely makes sense. What's the biggest thing that helps you thrive through adversity and succeed in building a blissful life?
2: Yeah. So I wrote a book called Choose Bliss, right? And it has the 12 top strategies that I have used for myself successfully. And also those strategies that I have used with most of my clients very, very successfully. So there's a lot of different strategies that I use to create that bliss in my life. I will say there's a really quick technique that I can give your audience right now that they could start using to create bliss in their life if you'd like to hear about it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> Call it creating the bliss moment. And so let's just do something really generic. This works in real estate. This works everywhere. But let's do something really generic. Let's imagine that you are in rush hour traffic, and someone just cut you cut you off. Okay, this happens to all of us, right? So someone just cut you off. And all of a sudden, there's a story that's created in your head about I can't believe that person just cut me off. Oh, my God, they almost caused an accident. There's a circumstance that just happened. That's creating an emotional response in you. But that emotional response in you is created by the story that you've created in your head about that circumstance. Does that make sense? Completely. So when you create, when you're creating a bliss moment, what you're going to do is you're going to stop the story. So you do a complete interrupt. For me, I'll say, Monica. And you stop. Then you drop into your heart. Take a t- couple of really deep breaths. And then create your responses from this place of being grounded and heart-centered rather than in your head making up stories about what just happened.
3: Yeah, that's beautiful. I know it's very difficult to do. You know, I'm a mindset type of person, so I can relate to this. What would you say to people that, you know, or let me reword this. What, what allowed you to be able to get to that? space? Because I know, you know, a lot of people cannot just get to that space or there's something that may have happened along the way. What was the one thing that kind of enabled you to get there?
2: You know, I know that this is going to over, I'm making this oversimplified, but it really is a decision. It's a decision that you want to be in that space. Now, because you make a decision does not mean that you automatically transform.
3: (laughs) Right. Right. I know that for a fact. (laughs) (laughs) There's a
2: journey that happens after the decision, but truly it is a decision to prioritize being happy. You know, so many of us prioritize making money, finding the perfect love relationship, buying the perfect house, right? We prioritize all these things, but how many of us really prioritize just simply being happy? And if you're able to actually make that a priority, not all the things that you think are going to get you the happiness, but the actual core value of happiness, if you're able to actually prioritize that, then you can begin your journey towards gaining the tools to be able to get into this place, right? And be able to do those exercises, because so much of the time, right, we're like, I want to be mad. I I've got a right to being mad, right? This person did this thing. But the only person that that hurts is you. So if you want to be mad, you be mad, right? But if you don't want to be mad, you have to decide that in those moments, you're going to take charge of the situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Do you have any morning routines that you do that kind of help you get in the right mindset first thing in the morning before you start your day?
2: I do. And actually, this is the very first tip that I cover in my book because it's it's probably the single most important Thing that every successful person does to create successful businesses and happy lives, and to have a morning routine. Um, the one thing that I want to just say, since you brought it up, is that anybody who's listening that has heard this before and said, okay, whatever, right? Just understand that you do already have a morning routine. 100%. Everybody does, right? It's just, is it a morning routine that you fall into because that's what happened, or is it a morning routine that you've created consciously to support your life, right? So my morning routine, I actually don't wake up until eight o'clock,
0: Mm. Oh, wow. (laughs) You're talking my language already.
2: (laughs) Um, My husband gets up about an hour before he works out. He comes home, does his shower at eight o'clock. We sit, sit down and have some us time before the day gets started. So we got 20 minutes. We have some coffee. We chat, set up our day, figure out what we're doing together. He leaves, take his train. I feed the dog. I take the dog for a nice long brisk walk, so that's my workout. And then I um, shower. They sit in front of my desk, and I pull up some like affirmations or some fun mm-hmm. inspirational YouTubes. And um, and then I start my day. The other thing that I forgot to mention is my alarm off at ten to eight, and I push the snooze alarm. And while I'm laying there for 10, <laughs> 10 minutes in bed. I start to talk about my gratitudes in my own mind, mm. so that's how I start my day. And got
3: it, Lolita can relate to the to the snooze. I don't know if she's see the
2: snooze. Old, yeah,
3: but she can relate to the snooze.
2: Yeah, I know there are so many coaches that are like, "You can't push the snooze," and I'm like, mm-hmm. "Well, I love my snooze. So what can I do with that?" Right? Hey,
3: if you love it, right. do it. Right. Okay. So I awesome. use that
2: time for my gratitudes.
3: Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing your morning routine with us. Yeah. So we'll switch gears here a little bit. So you have a segment that talks about the $500,000 lesson you learned about making decisions from a blissful rather than stress uh, place. Can you tell a little bit, tell us a little bit about this?
2: Yeah. So in 2008, um, I owned a lot of real estate and I um, all of it got hit really badly. Like, literally within about three months, I lost 50% of the value on most of my places. I had just bought my dream home for about a million dollars. And within three months, it dropped $300,000. Within six months, it was down by 50%. So I was scared, I was confused, as was so many people out there in the market. And so what did people do? A lot of people cut their losses and left. They moved out of the area, especially if they lost their jobs, right? And they would file, They would do foreclosures. They would file for bankruptcy. There was a lot of pain during that time. And I also debated what was the right thing for me. And one of the things that I realized was that all I had to do was hold. Like I was living in this home that had lost all this value all of these other houses were rented. All I had to do was hold on and wait. So I made this decision to hold. I raised some rents because rents were going up at the time. Things got, were covered. I was able to cover most of my mortgages, not everything, but most of them. And we decided to just stay in our house and hold and not worry about what it was worth on paper because you don't mm-hmm. lose money until you sell, right? Right. Then my husband lost his job and we had to move. And so we had this million-dollar home, this million-dollar mortgage, right? And now we had to move. He took a $70,000 pay cut. Um, So so you can kind of imagine what he was making before. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And we had to, so he had to get a new job. When he got the new job, we had to move. So again, it was another decision point. Um, The place that we had to move, the places that we could afford in our new area were, like, really, like, dumps, and I was going to have to move out of my dream home. But I did decide, instead of selling it and freaking out, I decided to hold it and rent it out. We were not able to cover the mortgage, so we did take a little bit of a negative cash flow to compensate for that. We bought a house that I would not normally choose to live in, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But then I fixed that up, and... We went with it. But then you fast forward five years. Within five years, that property that I fixed up when we were living in had increased by $500,000. Our primary residence that we had moved out of had completely recovered and had gone up another $100,000. Within five more years, the primary residence that we moved out of was up another $500,000. So we could say it was a $500,000 decision or a million-dollar decision. It was both. But the decision was simply stick with my my gut. In other words, don't lose your head. I knew that this was an anomaly, and I knew what I needed to do, but I didn't freak out. So this is another one of those things, right? When When things go wrong, you can choose bliss, or you can choose to be at mercy of circumstance. And so the $500,000 decision was to choose bliss. Mm-hmm. Keep my head, hold on to my properties, right out the storm.
3: Yep. Awesome. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So on your website, you talk about creating consistent source of income by only investing for five hours a month, not a week, but a month. Can That's you right. tell our listeners how you're able to achieve this?
2: Yeah. So, um, so let's clarify that. I want to be completely transparent here for your listeners. I'm a buy and hold person. So when I'm out there searching for a home, I buy about one house a year. When I'm out searching for a home is when I'm spending my time. I'm making offers. When I finally buy something, I fix it up and then I'm putting renters in there. During that period of time, I might spend 10 hours a week. But the rest of the year, I spend nothing. And the reason for that is because as I put renters into my house, I have a streamlined process where I train them to manage the homes. So I might get a text that something is broken down. They know how to handle that. And I spend very, very, very little time the rest of the, time, the, rest of the year managing my properties.
3: Do you self-manage or do you have a third-party property management company? I
2: self-manage everything. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So the, five, the five, hour, five hours a month is really sort of like the average over the year. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah.
3: Yep, 100%. Got it. Yeah. So one of your missions in real estate is to educate more women uh, about the space, which I love. What are some of the challenges you faced while doing, uh, pursuing this mission?
2: I think, you know, whether it's women or men, the biggest thing is dealing with fear. I think that for me, what I come up against again and again and again is, I don't know how to get started. I don't know what to do. And the reality is that most of us know how to get started. Most of us you can just listen to my podcast and get a complete education on how to get started and you will have all the tools and the contacts that you need to do that. But it's it's your mindset guy, right, Kyle? I am. Yeah. So you want, you know, that it's getting over the hurdle of what do I do and getting over the hurdle of that fear of getting started that um that really stops people from taking any steps forward but once you're moving inertia starts to move you forward right but it's that taking that first step
3: okay so what is your ultimate goal with educating women and what's the one thing that would help you accomplish that goal
2: yeah so um i love making millionaires (laughs) (laughs) it makes my heart sing (laughs) Um, Out in the real estate is because I completely independent. I didn't want to be dependent on a man. I wanted to get married. I wanted to have a family. I wanted all of those things, but I didn't want to be dependent. Um, and so that's what I want for the women that I teach is to be able to be completely financially independent, so that you can make choices in your life that are based on what's going to give you bliss. Rather than being at the mercy of, I have to pay the bills, I have to stay with this guy because he pays the bills. You know, the things that women, the decisions that women make a lot of times has to do with the safety of themselves and their children. And instead of having to make those decisions, worried about the safety of themselves or their children, they should have the financial wherewithal to make decisions that are the best for them rather than just just getting by. Does that make sense? 100%.
3: Yeah. What would you tell the women listening to the podcast right now on how and why they should get started in real estate?
2: Real estate is the easiest way to create wealth. It may not sound like the easiest way, but it is the thing that people have built been building wealth on since the beginning of time. This is an intuitive process. We all need housing. And women are really good at it because we're good at nesting. We understand what a home is supposed to feel like. Right? We understand what we want in our own homes. It's a big part of kind of who we are biologically, how we're built. So we're really, really naturally good as investors. Now, I just want to emphasize here, I'm not saying become a real estate agent. Real estate agent is another job. I'm saying invest. Create homes for families and build your wealth. The people that have built wealth in other areas, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, whether it's software or stock or whatever it is, in the end, they all put their money in real estate because it's a safe, safe investment. And in the United States, we get completely supported by the government to do it.
3: Absolutely. Even more so in the last uh, you know, two years. So. That's right. Perfect. Well, Lalita's is going to take us into our final four questions. Are you ready?
1: Yes. All right, Monica. here we go. What is the one tool that you use in real estate investing that you could not do without?
2: My systems. So I've created a whole series of systems that help me with the management of my property, the purchasing of my properties, and the financing of my properties.
1: Very good. Can you tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing so far, and what is the main takeaway for our listeners?
2: Yeah, so you've already heard that story dollar home in 2008 Mm -hmm. (laughs) so you've heard that story and the biggest takeaway that I got from that is under all circumstances keep my head if I make an investment because I think it's a good investment it continues to be a good investment no matter what the circumstances are Mm -hmm. and just to stick with it
1: great advice what is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level
2: I'm a constant learner and so right now, I'm all about learning um, new cash flow techniques with real estate. So I've been in buy and hold. I would like to retire in about with cash flow. Mm-hmm. I'm making a little bit of cash flow now. I mean, it's, it's nothing insignificant. I'm making good cash flow, but I'm not making enough cash flow to retire. So now that I've got all this equity in my buy and hold properties, what can I do with that to create the cash flow that I need to retire? So that's where I'm at.
1: Perfect. And finally, where can people find out more about
2: you? So they can go to blissfulinvestor.com. And I actually have a free download for your guests that talks about my whole journey, how I started from $10,000. And every year what I did, even in 2001 and 2008 due to the big crashes, what did I do so that now I'm worth, more than, I'm worth multiple millions of dollars? They can get the whole thing laid out for them, and that can be an inspiration for them to either take action on the same strategy or to find a strategy that will work for them.
1: Perfect. Thank you for that. That interview was so empowering. I definitely took away some bliss practices, and I think I need to integrate more of them into my life for the better. So thank you. Yay.
2: Yay. (laughs) I'm
3: so glad.
1: It was such a delight having you on our show, Monika.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was really a pleasure to be here.
3: Awesome. Thanks, Monika.
0: Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Passive Income through Multifamily Real Estate podcast and to get access to today's show notes, and to previous shows, visit limitless-estates.com. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode.